Good morning to you all. Let me add my welcome. We're glad that you have joined us today. Next Sunday, the real preacher will be on, so come back next Sunday. Amen. My name is Carl Palmer. I'm not one of the staff here, um, but I was for a while, and I'm just grateful to have this opportunity again to share with you. Um, when Dave started talking to me some time ago about this series on the family, he said, it'd be really good if we had somebody old to start it. No, he didn't say that. He said, like a grandfather perspective. So we're going to have four different teachers in these weeks, and each of us coming at this from this family thing from a little different perspective in terms of our own experience. And so what I want to do is, is share a message with you that's going to be a little different. It's actually something I've probably never, ever shared before. Uh, not like this anyway, so hold on. Um, this will be a good series, and we focus on the family because... Family is where we learn, we should learn, like everything important. Like where did you ever learn to love? You know, that's one of the reasons why God gave you a mama. Because our mamas love like nobody else in the world loves. And that's where we learn about sacrifice and giving and forgiveness and perseverance and patience and caring for one another. And so we're going to focus on some of those things. And God puts us in the family to teach us some of these things and then calls us into the family of God so that we can share with others. And I don't know what your, quote, family experience has been like. I'm just very aware of this reality that for many of us, there's a brokenness and a heartache when we think about our family. But what I want to share with you is coming at it from the perspective of somebody older. Um, I was born on July 15th, 1948. Some of you are doing the math, I know. <laughs> so my birthday is next Sunday, and I turn 70. If, if, if I was never old before, I am officially old now. But I know that some of you are thinking, you've been old for a long time. But there's a few of you who are saying, you're not that old, which makes you really old, uh, and I know who you are, um, and it's sort of a comfort, like this age thing is, is a relative kind of thing. Of course, when Dave said, come and share, you know, and, and speak a bit from the perspective of a grandfather, I thought to myself, I've always looked for another excuse to show pictures of my grandchildren. <laughs> so here we are, I want to show you uh, some pictures of our granddaughters. It helps if you put the microphone over your ear, doesn't it? Thank you. Every now and then I take this microphone off of my ear and I put it, sorry. Now, now maybe you can hear me. Um, this is why we have sound people, by the way. Uh, for our, thank you again. Um, I don't do this every week now, you know, so I forget this stuff. So, When I have this microphone in my ear and I stand out in the lobby, it makes some of you nervous when I talk to you because you're always worried that somebody's listening in on our conversation. Anyway, we have three sons, um, and they're all grown, and we have five granddaughters. And one of the... One of the things that Carolyn and I have talked about for years is our great heart's desire to be very involved grandparents. And one of the things that happened to us is our, our firstborn son, Andrew, did not ask us for permission to raise our granddaughters in New Hampshire, <laughs> which I'm still a little angry about that, but we, we go and see them as often as we can. And here's a picture of them. They're, it is a delight and quite an experience to go. After you've raised three boys, to show up in a family of three little girls is, you can't believe it. I mean, some of you can, but it's always a shock to me and always a whole lot of fun. Um, these three little girls are like very special to us and we do as much as we can to be involved in their life. Uh, let me sh show the next, there's Carolyn holding them. We just have a lot of fun with them, you know, it's just like constant. We can only handle it for about three or four days then we have to leave, you know, so. And, but anyway, 
Uh, show the next picture. Well, this, this, I want to tell you their names um, because some people find this interesting. Um, the one on the left is the oldest. Her name is Magdalena Sunshine Palmer. The, the one, one in the middle is Anastasia Sweet Pea Palmer. <laughs> and the one on the right is, she's a crackerjack. Her name is Helena Morning Glory Palmer. And I know someday these little girls are going to question mom and dad, why did you give us these middle names? But we'll just wait for that. <laughs> we have two more granddaughters. They live in Florida. Uh, this is our youngest son, Tyler, and his wife, Nicole. And we were able to be there um, in January for the birth of little Ellie Noel, and, which was like a delight. It was really incredible. And she has an older sister named Meredith. And we found out just a few weeks ago that they are moving back home to Portland. And I can't tell you how delighted we are with that. Grandparents really understand this. The rest of you might go, but for those of us who are trying to grandparent at a distance, this is like one of the sweetest things possible. So I'm old. I'm a grandfather. I'm 70. Whew, 70. Wow. Um, some of you are thinking, well, 70, you know, that's like the new 60 or something, is it? No, it's the 70, you know, so <laughs> Proverbs 16:31 says, gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in a righteous life. You might want to write that verse down. You may need it someday. Psalm 92, verse 14 says, they will still bear still bear fruit in old age, they will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. And when you look at a more literal translation, it reads like this, it says, they will still bear fruit in old age, they are ever full of sap <laughs> and green. Some of you older people, remember when we used to call people a sap? You know, I'm not sure what that meant, but now I am full of sap and green. The reality is, is that I know that I am rounding third and heading for home. The reality is, if you want to use a basketball metaphor, if you will, I'm in the final quarter. I know this. It's very obvious to me. It's very clear to me. And I live in a time and in a culture where the word old has become a bad word. Have you noticed this? That American culture greatly tends to honor youth and devalue, even sometimes dishonor, old age. I want to talk to you about that. And I want to, talk to ask you to be very suspicious about American culture. There's an awful lot of things that are sold to us again and again and again. There are messages that are brought to us in our culture, many of which are wonderful, incredible, delightful, and some of which are just not true. One of the great strengths of Cedar Mill Bible Church, I believe this my whole, for, whole, for the last 30 years, is the fact that we are a multi-generational church. Pastor Dave talked about this just a few weeks ago, that one of the delights, and one of the challenges, of course, is being multi-generational, because we don't see everything the same way. You know this, right? But it's one of the great things. We saw when we first came here in 1987, we saw... We, we met up in what we now call the chapel over there, and, and I would look out and I would see three and sometimes four generation families, and then I thought, this is a family, and this will be great for our kids. And what is true and a strength for the local church is also to be true for our family, that God wants us to be multi-generational and to experience the delight of that, also the challenges of it, but there are amazing, great realities that can only be experienced when you have multi-generations together. It's one of the great things I've seen is our, our young our youth pastor reaching out to the seniors and vice versa and bringing these two groups together because our culture is separating the generations. We're even calling them certain names now, you know, we're naming this generation and that generation and trying to describe what we're all like and everything. Not too long ago in America, families lived together. You know this, don't you? I mean, it's only been a few generations ago where three generations would live together in a home. And of course, that was full of challenges, but it was also full of blessings. 
And so many times, grandparents were the glue in the family. They were the ones who were able to help the parents to provide for the home. They were the ones who were to care for the children and help for them. They helped provide, helped work. They provide health and stability and wisdom. It was a real strength to our family. Not so true very much anymore. But an interesting thing I know very personally, it's a very vivid experience for me because my ministry primarily these days is to get on a plane and go to Africa or, or to go to, to Asia. I've been with Rich Gardner, we just prayed for. This ministry he's doing, by the way, in Ethiopia is critical. It's an important thing. Pray for him, truly. So when I get on a plane and I go there, you know, immediately you're facing with all kinds of different cultural realities. And one of the cultural realities that, that was just like dumbfounding for me for, for multiple times when I'd go to Africa and Asia was this fact that they honor age and experience. I mean, I would get up to speak and I'd start out with something like that. Well, I've been a pastor for 40 years and, and the wind, the air would be sucked out of the room. People go, Ugh. you know, I've never known anybody who was a pastor for 40 years. I've had pastor after pastor come to me afterwards and say, you are old. <laughs> and you are experienced and we listen to every word you say. They honor age and experience, and they show it in so many different ways. It just, it's a constant thing they, where they just honor you because you have lost your hair or because it's gray or white now and because you have age and experience. They think you're wonderful and that you have things to say, and they won't let you carry your own bag. I mean, I, I, first couple times I went to Nigeria with Rich Gardner, you know, some young guy would come alongside, I'd have my little briefcase, I'm walking, we're going to go teach somewhere, and some young guy would walk over and he'd, he'd reach out and he'd take my brief, hold of my briefcase, and I'd... <laughs> we did this little tug-of-war thing, because I always tell when you travel, you know, be careful, somebody taking your bag, so this young guy wants to take my bag, and, and I'm not going to let him, and, you know, and... You know, young Peter Wash, the richest, richest disciple, great guy. One of these days he'll come here. I want you to meet him. I, I can remember Peter looking at me and doing this tug-of-war thing in the bag, and I said, I said, Peter, you got your own like backpack you carry. I can carry my bag. It's not that heavy. And he says, I must carry your bag. And I said, no, I can carry my bag, really. And he said, I must carry your bag. <laughs> and, and I said, I, you know, it's okay. I don't mind you. And he said, he said you are old. <laughs> and he said, I am young and strong. I must carry your bag. And so I gave it to him, and then we walked over there, and I, I said, let me ask you a few questions about it. This is kind of a new experience for me. Nobody does this for me at home. So, you know, why, why do you do this? And he said, if I was walking along and you were carrying your own bag, I would be judged and condemned by my seniors, you know, and my elders. And this is one of the things that we do to honor those of you who are old and experienced. And I thought, how different that is than America. I mean, think about it, how much we have this tendency to really focus on youth, honor youth. We love, I mean, America. The whole culture thing is about, I mean, the message that we get in America again and again is stay young, right? Because you don't want to get old. I mean, that would be bad, but staying young. So we do all these different things to quite stay young. I mean, we do the, like... I mean, cosmetic surgery even, we color our hair, you know, we do this makeup thing, we want to cover the wrinkles, you know, we want to do everything we can, stay in shape and so that we can stay as young as we can because that's like the goal. And the great, the great compliment is, boy, you look so much younger. And I think, great, that's really wonderful. You know, really? I mean, is that it? Is that the goal, to stay younger? Wow. What's the problem with getting old? And have you noticed it happens to everybody? There's only one way out of getting old. Well, I guess there's two. Jesus could come and, and save you from this, you know. So, young people, this is what you have to look forward to. And you think... It'll never happen to me. I'll never look like that. I remember thinking that. Some of you are thinking, well, it would take me 60 years to look like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, some of you have lived for 60 or 70 or 80 years. You know it goes like that. 
It's an amazing thing how much, how fast time travels. And young people think, oh, never, it's so slow, you know, but those of us who have lived for a while, we're thinking, man, it's moving fast. This world that we live in tends to greatly value youth and devalue old age. And then there's another problem with American culture, that if you do get old, then what you need to do is you need to retire. You won't find it in the book, my friends, this retire idea. I really believe in retiring from a job, but you never retire from God, and you never retire from ministry, and you never retire from the kingdom of heaven, right? You never retire from your responsibility to walk with Jesus. But, but so many times the message to the old people is you've worked hard, you know, now is the time for you to take a break and relax, let the younger generation do it. I can remember people in our own church telling me that, I'm done. I'm done working with the young people, you know, let the younger people do it, you know, because I'm getting old. Let's move. Let's move to where the weather is nicer and maybe we can play golf year-round. <laughs> uh, now, if I'm stepping on a few toes, sorry, you know. This is a message about getting old, and some of you are old, like me. And, by the way, every one of you, if you aren't yet, you will be one of these days. So what do we do? We need to be careful, like, not to listen too much to American culture. In fact, if I could, I'd wave this wand and make you really suspicious of American culture because so much deception is sold to us again and again and again. Just look at the advertisements and the things that you see. And you'll see so many times, you look at, listen on television and you read anything, whoa, that was really professionally done. That's really a beautiful message. Sort of tears up my heart and it's a lie. So be careful here. So think with me about old age, a senior adult, getting older. And, and some of you are thinking, well, this is a message for the old people, and it is, but for some of you who are younger, I want to say to you, the things that I will say, share with you are things that you ought to be thinking about now, and you ought to be even involved in some of them. So here's the first point I want to make, is that God is always intended for the older generation to be honored and to have a crucial place in the family, the church, and the nation. This has always been the plan of God. All you have to do is get familiar with the Bible, and you see this again and again and again. This is what God wants. He wants multi-generations ministering to each other. The, the old learning from the young, and the young learning from the old, and, and the, those in between benefiting from both relationships. And, and this is full of challenges, of course, and difficulties. That's why we're focusing on this whole thing called the family. But if you are on the old end of the spectrum, what do you do? How do you think of yourself? So I look at the Bible. Leviticus 19.32, one of the commands of the Old Testament law, spoken by God himself. He says, stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. I kind of like that. Another translation says, you shall stand up before the gray head. And honor the face of an old man, you shall fear the Lord your God, I am the Lord. So next time I meet with you, brother, I will expect you to, like, stand up in the presence of <laughs> the gray head. No, I won't, really. Old people were to be honored because they had walked with God and because they were faithful representatives of what it meant to follow after God and to obey God. They have known and served him for a long time, and they have some wisdom and they have some that only experience can bring. So what I want to do is I want to do something a little different. I want to suggest to you some things that ought to go into a bucket list. You know what a bucket list is, right? These are things that you want to do before you die, right? And so for a lot of people, it's like, okay, I want to like skydive and bungee jump before I die. No, that may be the way you die. So... <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really recommend those in your bucket list, uh, but you can have a bucket list. You want to see the Great Wall of China or whatever, but, but you ought to have a, like a spiritual bucket list about your heart and about your life and your family. And so I want to suggest to you seven things that ought to go into your bucket list. And so you're going to have to listen fast. Like what should be our priorities when we are old? What should our life look like? What should we be preparing to do? So here's some suggestions for a bucket list for finishing well. You know what finishing well is, don't you? It means you die, and you've come up to death really well done. 
That's what we want to do. That's what I want to do. So here, here's the seven. It starts like this. Number one is reject the false idea that old means irrelevance. I want to say to you, this is a deception. Old does not mean irrelevance. Our culture, we've sort of bent towards that, and we've sort of accepted it somewhat, and some of our older people have accepted the idea also. But what we need to do as Christ followers and Bible believers, we need to recognize the promise of the Word of God is that old age is a blessing from God. In fact, the, the Word of God has this several times. If you obey me, you will have long days. And the point is, you'll live a long time. And some of the most effective God followers were really old men and old women. That your days may be long was a promise from God. Job 12.12 says, Wisdom is with the aged and understanding and length of days. Wisdom and length of days come very close together. Every now and then I'll find a young person who is just amazingly wise. We say they're wise for their age. And occasionally I'll meet an older person who has not got wiser, they just got old. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you can live your whole life in superficiality and sort of ignorance and just go down to death in immaturity. And that's one of the reasons, again, for this message. So I want to ask you to please oppose the idea that old age means irrelevance. It doesn't. It shouldn't. And if it does, something's wrong with us. Second thing I want to say to you, and this is true for every age, but particularly if you're a little older, intensify your faith. My friends, deepen your walk with God. If you're getting close to him, you need to deepen your walk with him. He is your most important relationship. He's always been your most important relationship. And he's a person and he wants to be known and loved. And you're going to be standing in his presence before long. And you will be with him way longer than you are here, my friends. And you are more responsible today, right now, in this place, to, to be serious about God than you have ever been. You understand what I just said? You are more serious today, in this place, to be more serious about God than you have ever been. You know more than you've ever known. And you come to a church that teaches the Word of God, and we are family together, and we're struggling to follow after Christ, and... And you have more responsibility now than you have ever, ever had. Mature saints are called to not be bitter about getting old. It's one of the problems that we have is that we tend to get bitter when we get old. And, and, and when you get old and your body starts falling apart on you, you understand this. It's not fun. In fact, it's distracting and irritating and kind of makes me mad a lot. And I have... You know, some issues too, and I could whine about them for a long, long time, if you have some time. Um, <laughs> but we, we are called not to be bitter about getting old, and, to, and to, to weaken, and to get sick, and finally to die. It's not like we didn't have any warning, right? I mean, this has been going on for a long, long time. This is how we all get out of here. You get old, you weaken, you get sick, and you die. And, I mean... We can ignore this and not talk about it, but that's foolish. because, And it's one of those few things that happens to everybody, 100%, right? So if it happens to everybody, shouldn't we be like ready and prepared? And shouldn't we think about this and not ignore it? For me personally, I'm committed to, be, to struggle against this tendency to let old age in my body overcome the joy of God in my heart. I won't do it. And I want to talk about pain and problems a lot less than I want to talk about what God is doing. And when we get together, I mean, if you love somebody and care about them and they're hurting, then it's good for you to let them share with that. But if your whole conversation is, is oh, yeah, man, I mean, come on. God is still alive and at work, and he's doing wonderful things. And many of you have experienced this incredible grace of God while you're really hurting and getting sick and having cancer and getting ready to die. And it happens to everybody. So let's spend less time talking about our pains and our problems. Let's allow just a few minutes for that, and then let's move to the kingdom of God. Mature saints, you see, are called to live their faith. 
to practice it, to actually talk what they believe, to actually practice what it is we've talked about, it, to grow strong in, in rejecting all the, the deceptions and all the lies that are swirling around us all the time, all the temporary stuff. We are the people who know important stuff. We are. You've seen that farmer's insurance commercial? We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. I want to tell you, we've seen a thing or two. And we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. And hopefully it's contributed a little bit to our wisdom. So we know a whole long list of really important things. Things like, we know that experience is a great teacher. We know that if you struggle and you falter and you fail, that it's not the end of you. We, we know that this world is full of distractions and lies and we're becoming more and more aware of them and learning how to discern them and we know how much we need wisdom. We've learned finally that all the stuff that we've accumulated our whole life doesn't make us happy. In fact, it's become now a burden that we're trying to figure out how to get rid of all this stuff. We've learned about honesty and integrity. We've learned about sacrifice and service. We've learned about patriotism. We've learned how to love people. We've learned about loyalty. We've learned a lot of things. And we have stuff to offer. We've learned that joy and satisfaction comes from investing in people. We know that to be true. We know that real beauty is in the heart. And that outer beauty is truly only skin deep, and it tends to kind of go away after a while. We know that relationships and family are the most important things in life. We know that we have an earthly family, and we know that we have the family of God. The family of God that is here on earth, and the family of God in heaven. So get serious about your God, my friends. Because he's given you so much, so walk the talk. You remember the great commandment? You do. Jesus said the first great commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The main thing, the greatest thing. It's always been God's greatest commandment. It's always been what he wants of me, what he wants of you, what he wants of us. So I have to ask you this question. If God says the main thing is love me, do you love God? No, I'm serious. Do you love God? And what does that mean, really? And if not now, when? When will you reach the place in your life where you say, I love God. I know it's impossible to do with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. That's like an objective, but I love God. Do you? Do you? I don't want to show up in glory to see the face of my father and not love him. Do you? I want him to say, well done. So what do you do? You get to know God better. As simply as I can put it, you get to know God better than you do now. And, and this is not rocket science. It's not so hard to do. How do you get to know anybody? You spend time with them. You talk to them. You, you learn about what they're like. And more and more, you will love him. The more you know about him, the more you will love him. For me, one of the transforming things that happened to me many years ago was that somebody gave me this little book called The Knowledge of the Holy. Have you read it? I want to tell you, it's 60 years old or something like that. And because it's 60 years old, some of you will never read it. And I want to say to you, repent now of that. <laughs> Get on Amazon and order your own copy of The Knowledge of the Holy. It's only like 123 pages, and it has like 20 chapters in it. Each one is only three or four pages long, and it is incredible. And when you read it, your understanding of God will go, whoa. And you will fall more deeply in love with him because you will see again 
and maybe for the first time, how incredibly great he is. You need this. You, you need to know your God. You need to know what he's like. Pray. You've, how many times have you heard this? Just pray. Talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him all the time. Don't talk about prayer times. Just pray. Talk to him wherever you go, when you stand up and when you move around, talk to him. Talk to your father more than you do now. Whatever, how good you are at this, like, you got a ways to go, don't you? I mean, who doesn't, right? I got to go on. Third thing, pass it on. Pass it on. Continue to invest in the next generation. Continue to invest in the next generation. Every time I walk in here, particularly at this service, and I see the young people, and I think, oh, man, God has given to us a great responsibility. Pass it on to the next generation. We have this problem, though, because we've sep- we tend to separate generations. I so appreciate our young people who are, who are, are building relationships with some of our older people and our older people who are, really want that. God has always intended for the older generation to influence the younger it's always been the heart of God for us to pass on and be influenced by them. Of course, we, boy, you get together with young people, you will be influenced and you'll learn a lot and it will help you, you know, it'll help you as you get older to, to really persevere and to, and to become more the person God wants you to be. You say, I don't know how to do that. It's not that hard. It's not that difficult, you know. One of the things you could do is you could say, God, send me somebody a little younger for me to be involved in. And you know what? He'll answer that prayer. I promise you he'll answer that prayer. Somebody will show up or some face will show up in your mind. You know, it might be somebody not that much younger than you. but somebody, And people are longing for this. Young people are longing for somebody older and wiser just not to judge them, but just to care and love them and pray for them. And maybe occasionally get together and share a little bit. And, and many of us come from homes and families where we never had grandparents really invest in our life. And we don't know what it's like. I, I grew up and we, my, both of my sets of parents, I mean, they, both of their fathers died when they were very young. And so I never knew anything about a grandfather. I didn't know what a grandfather was supposed to do or be. And I'm just learning about that now. And I realized that my parents didn't know how to love our kids. You know, they would say they love them, and they do, but they just never were, they were like too busy. You know what I'm saying to you? And so there was like no relationship there. And I want to tell you, that stops with our generation. We're going to be involved in the lives of these little girls whether they like it or not. (laughs) And it's going to be fun. Pass it on. Continue to invest in the next generation. Psalm 145, verse 4 says this. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. Or another translation is generation after generation stands in awe of your work. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. This has always been God's plan. Generation after generation. Pass it on to the younger people, what God has given to you. Jesus said, who much is given, much is demanded. And almost every person here who has very many years under your belt, you know that God has been so good to you and you have so much. You have so many blessings and so much grace. You have so much to pass on. And I want to say to you, if you've stopped doing it, so many of you have done this for years and years. I know that. So, but I want to say to you, if you've backed away from this, Let me push you forward a little bit. Look, ask, pray. Look around. You could talk to any one of our staff. You could talk to our youth pastors, or you could talk to Paul, or any of our people who oversee our children's ministry, um, and you could say, hey, is there anything I could, like, do to invest in the younger generation? You know, they will be like, whoa, (laughs) let me give you a list of our needs. And were you here last Sunday, and you see this team of people that went out to Royal Family Kids Camp? You see them? I mean, it was like, we got an army going out there. And you know what I liked? All the old people. (laughs) They were with them, you know. And the younger people. It was a mixture of all ages going out to do this ministry. I mean, this is sweet. It's the way it's supposed to be. Timothy was a great servant of God, mentored by Paul, the apostle. And in 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, 
which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So the fourth thing is this. Pursue this power of spiritual grandparenting. Paul knew that Timothy had benefited from the spiritual power of grandma and mother. His grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And many of you understand this idea. There's some, it's almost mystical kind of thing about this relationship between grandparents and grandchildren. And for those of you who have one or two or more, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And the rest of you people will say, well, okay, well, I don't quite get it. But here's what happens to you. You love this little baby before they're even born. And then when the mom and the dad holds this little package and passes them to you, you fall in love. And it will not stop until you die. And they take a place of your heart that nothing else takes. And I've seen it again and again at Cedar Mill Bible Church, the power of godly grandparenting. And you have a spiritual power as a grandparent that nobody else has. There's some window in the heart of a child, particularly or a young person, that's open to the, the role of a grandfather and a grandmother. Maybe it's because we don't have to raise them. Or discipline. I don't, I don't know what it is, but all I know is it's really good. And if you have any of them and you've kind of backed away a little bit, I want to say these are your greatest responsibilities, these grandchildren. Fifth thing I want to say to you, invest a generous part of your time and money to make a kingdom difference. Invest a generous part of your time and your money to make a kingdom difference. Those of us who have lived for a little while should have a kingdom mindset by now. Don't you think that, I mean, isn't it true that by now we should have it figured out that there are different kingdoms and there is a kingdom of God and a kingdom of heaven and by now we should be thinking, what can I do to impact, influence, encourage, and strengthen the kingdom of God? What can I do? I have time and I have some money. So I want to say to you, Give some of your time. Look around to where God is doing something to make disciples of Jesus and invest there. Give of your time. So for those seniors who are thinking, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to kick back and sit in my, you know, my chair and, you know, and, and have coffee occasionally with the guys, stop it. Invest, look around Look around, There's a, there are generations of people who you could bless and benefit and encourage and strengthen. And you just need to ask God and he will supernaturally put you together with somebody. I suggest this to you as a promise. You pray this and then tell me if God doesn't answer it. Give some of your time. Oh, and your money? Your money? You're not going to leave here with any of that, you know. You're going to leave 100% of it behind. So, and I know some of you are thinking, hey, you don't know, I have a really tight budget. You know, we live on a limited budget, and so I don't have very, I know, I know that. And for some of you, that's not so true. Some of you have some discretionary funds, and you're spending them all kinds of things. And I want to say to you, invest in the kingdom of God. Look around at where God is doing something. And you don't have to look very far. You can look just around here, or you just ask a few people some question. Where's God doing something that a little bit of money would help? You know, I, I was a pastor here for 26 years or so. I didn't have very many people come up and ask me that question. <laughs> Interestingly enough, when I was a missions pastor, I had people ask me that all the time. You know, where around the world? But I want to tell you, it's happening right here. You come up to Pastor Dave or Paul or, you know, or Nick or any... any uh, to Gabby or any of them and say, hey, I have a little bit extra money. Where can I invest it? Where it will have some kingdom return and put the responsibility right on them to tell you the right place. And they'll come back to you with some ideas. The sixth thing is this. Write your story. Write your story. Document God's grace and faithfulness in your life. Write your story some of you <clears throat> excuse me, who are seniors have heard me talk about this before. I've done it for years. Every time I go to the retreat over at Cannon Beach, I say something along this. Will you please write your story? Write your story. You have a testimony. 
You have a testimony because you've had tests. No test, no testimony. You have something to write, to give to other people. Imagine this, that if you were like going through all your parents' stuff or something, and you find this old trunk, and you open it up, and you dig down in it, and you find this old dusty journal that was written by your great-great-grandmother. And she talks about what her life was like and how she learned about God and the difficulties of raising children and what she experienced and the struggles they had and the problems they faced and what they actually believe about death and dying and resurrection and how God's changed their life and, and some real honest stuff in there. What would this be? This would be like a treasure for you. You know, something you'd read every word. Some of you have children and grandchildren where they're, they're backing away from God and you don't know what to do. You know? and, and in the more sort of pressure you put on, the more they resist you. <clears throat> let me suggest this. Write down your testimony and let them read it after you die. And I, can, I want to tell you, it will be sometimes more powerful than you speaking words to them now. Write it down You've got to write, if you don't write it down, guess what? When you die, it's gone. Hey, I, we, we do these memorial services, and, you know, and every time we have one of these, I think, okay, we're going to spend about an hour, an hour and a half talking about this person's life, how they lived for 60, 70, 80, 90 years, and we're going to try to capture their whole life in that brief period of time. It can't be done. And that's all people have. <clears throat> when you die... What do your children have of you and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren? If God's given to you a family, you're going to have descendants who will read something that you have written in this year. They will read it 50 years from now if the Lord tarries. And it will be powerful in their life. But you have to write it down. You say, what do I write? I don't know what to write. You, know? you, you could just write... What has God taught me over the years? Where, where am I now at this place in my life? Now that I'm quoted sort of old age, what do I really think about God and resurrection and heaven? Uh, you could do a chapter on lessons learned the hard way, right? You, you could do a chapter on mistakes I have made. You could start a chapter on apologies I want you to know about, right? I mean, you, you could do all kinds of things. You could write down your hopes and your prayers for them. You have them in your heart, don't you? When you think about your children and your grandchildren, don't you have so many hopes and dreams and desires for them? Sometimes it just, they just bust out of you, you know, but, and you hold them. And you, sometimes you just kind of squat, write them down. Write them down. They will thank God for it one day. Talk about your confidence in God's promise. How, how long it took you to come to this place. Tell about what you know about the grace of God and how to live the Christian life and how you've struggled. It will so bless them and encourage them and help them. I want to say to you, start. You mean me? Yeah, you. Start. Start writing. Even if you only do one page, write something down that your great, great, grandchild will read one day. Write it down. If you don't, it will be lost. This book is largely like that. It's a list of stories and testimonies of what God did in the lives of people. It's a powerful book authored by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will help you author something that's about your testimony and your life, and it will have an effect on the next generations. And you have to do this unselfishly because you're not going to get any great benefit from it here today. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Are any of you even halfway persuaded to do this? It would just be a delight to me if some of you actually do this. You know? I've had a few people in our church come to me and you told our seniors like seven years ago to do this and look what I have. And they, and they say, we're so happy that they wrote it down. They're gone now. They're gone now. And one day they'll say that of you. You're gone now. Right? 
Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9 says, only be careful. This is Moses' last words to his people before he died. He said, only be careful and watch yourself closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Don't forget and teach your children and your grandchildren. The seventh thing I want to share with you that ought to be on your bucket list for every one of us. Anticipate God and glory. Anticipate God and glory. Anticipate means to look forward to. I want to say to you, we need to understand one more time. We need to be honest and not, not sort of ignore, you know, this whole thing about the fact that we're going to die. I want to say to you one more time, with as much love as I can, you're going to die. You're going to die. Unless Jesus comes, you're going to die. You know this, don't you, right? You accept it intellectually, you know, but so what does that mean for us? We're, we're not foolish people, so what does it mean? If you're, if you're going to be going on a long journey, you get ready, right? You get prepared. There are some things you need to do, right? We need to understand and we need to teach other people that it is good that this life will end, let me say that again. It is good that this life will end because you can't ever get to the good one unless you get out of this one, right? And so your time is limited. Some of you are rounding third and heading for home. Some of you are sliding into home plate and you don't even know it, right? <laughs> and some of you are saying, I'm only in the second quarter. I got a lot of time. And you never know, do you? We just never, it's one of those things that God holds in our hand. But for me, I know that I'm part of the closest generation. There's going to be many of you who are going to be still here after I'm gone. And you're going to be struggling to live in this world. You know, you're going to be trying to figure out how do you live in America as a Christian today and what are we about to do about this? And man, you're going to be worrying about the world and the flesh and the devil and struggling with all kinds of problems. You're going to have to be going to church all the time. You know, you're, I mean, you're going to have to be doing all kinds of stuff. And you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be seeing the face of the master. The face I've longed to see for so long. I'm going to be worshiping like you've never experienced. I'm going to be seeing angels. I'm going to be talking to people who wrote the book. I'm going to be tracking down people, my answers. I'm named after my grandfather. My middle name is Eugene, Carl Eugene Palmer. I'm named after Eugene Allen Palmer. He was a preacher, an evangelist. He died when my father was nine. I never knew him. But I will one day. My friends, when you're struggling here, I'm going to be doing quite, quite well. <laughs> Paul wrote, you remember in Philippians 1, that, you know, when he was getting close to dying, he wrote down, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he wrote, I struggle, I'm torn, I desire to depart and to be with Christ. Now, let's pause on those words just for a moment. Depart and be with Christ. What does that mean? It means die. So do you desire to depart and be with Christ? Now, let's just be honest about this. I don't I like, like the idea, the process of dying, you know. I don't and I still have some more stuff I want to do. I'm with you and all that. But those things aside for a moment, will you ever reach the place where you desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far? There's someday I'm going to experience better by far and gain. And I know it's coming. David Roper wrote this. If you put your trust in Jesus, you're in good hands. You can meet death whenever and wherever it meets you without fear. Jesus has promised in a pledge that could hardly be stronger, more sweeping, that because he died for us, you and I will never, ever, under any set of circumstances, whatever, die. John eleven twenty six. Of course, Jesus was thinking about our souls. Our bodies are not immortal, and speaking for myself, I will most gladly leave mine behind. 
But the part of me that I call me, myself, and I will live on, not just to the end of time, but forever. Death is not the end of us. If we're resting in Jesus' death, it's an entrance into a life that is far, far better. Life does not end in death. It is perfected by it. Life does not end in death. It is perfected by it. The reality is, and it's been the reality since the beginning of creation, that we die. So make a bucket list. Do some things that you ought to do so that when that time comes, you're going to hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. So yeah, I'm old. Am I unhappy about that? Not at all. Would I want to start over? Not a chance. <laughs> I mean, there are some things that I wish that I had done differently, right? And there, if I could, I'd try to go back and like correct them, but I know I can't. But would I want to all go back and do it all again? No, 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 no. I want to tell you, my friends, we old guys, this old guy, intends to glorify God and to bore more spiritual fruit for as long as I can. I am all in for the king until he comes for me. And the closer I get to better by far, and the closer I get to gain, the more I want to be there. And it stabilizes my heart and helps me to understand how so many things that I wrestle with and have wrestled with so long are not all of that significant. So yeah, I'm getting old in body, but I got more to do because I know I'm going to live forever. And it's going to be good. I want to finish well. So what about you? I hope what this has been is a little bit of dose of reality, like where you've just said, hey, I've got some time, apparently. I don't know how much time, but I want to use it well. That's why we follow Jesus. That's why we listen to his voice. That's why, because he's beckoning us. He's calling us. That's what I want to share with you. Let's pray together. So, Father, I ask you, will you help us, Father, to be realistic? Lord, I pray against this deception that old people are somehow irrelevant. I pray against this deception that we ought to be really afraid of dying and coming home to be with you. I know that probably hurts your heart a little. Father, I pray that you would teach us and train us. Lord, to know that we have a period of time and that we're responsible and we have been given so many good things to us. Help us to rejoice in the blessings you've given to us now, today, in this life. And Father, help us to prepare well for the next. Let us be people who have eternity in our hearts. For the glory of the Master who gave us eternal life, we pray it. Amen.